Welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Miles Dodson. I'm one of the many people working on the backside for You Had Me at Black, doing everything from music to production to some of the story development and the live kickbacks. Father's Day is coming up really soon. It really has me thinking about my dad, but also thinking about what it's been like to become a father. Each day is filled with new and different experiences, um, some lessons about life that alter my perspective and change a little bit about what I think about my experience growing up with my parents. So in honor of Father's Day, we really wanted to tie into this idea of fathers being seen, black fathers being seen, changing the narrative, hearing directly from them the stories, the realities, the emotion, and the the mindset behind fatherhood um, right to your ears. Here's what they had to say. I want you to breathe all this in. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. Black. Light in the heart of the city. Black. Man, listen, man. Black, black. (laughs) This is You Had Me at Black, and we live, baby. Okay, so we asked these fathers, how has fatherhood changed your view of masculinity? This is Eric. He's the father of one. Interestingly enough for me, I've always been very fluid in the definition or application of of masculinity. I did not grow up looking at masculinity or thinking of it as something to aspire to. I had very, very strong male personalities in my life. I also had very strong female personalities in my life. And I, for whatever reason, I, I can't really trace, always understood it to be a balance instead of a tension. So I I think, you know, with fatherhood coming from a kid who would see, you know, just as much fun in playing jump rope or hopscotch or jacks with the girls as I would playing basketball or football or boxing with my male friends, I felt like my son was entitled to that same kind of liberty to, to, to grow and kind of shape and define his own sense of masculinity, whatever that would turn out to mean. The idea really is that your children, be they male or female, are better off or best off free. I, I think that I've, I've, I've definitely held true to that in my experience as a father. I don't know if it is something tangible enough that my son would notice and say, you know, oh, my dad really believed in letting me be an individual or free but i do know that it would never be said that oh he had this idea of masculinity that he force-fed me or that was you know very absolute and important to him i'm much more enamored with the individual than i am the construct of you know what he's supposed to be this is brandon he is also the father of one child Masculinity before I had my daughter was more tangible, was measured by more physical acts. The amount of girls you can pull, playing basketball, competition, winning, 
fighting, getting the best of somebody else or not letting somebody get the best of you. That was all masculinity. That's how I measured my own personal masculinity. After I had my daughter, it became more intangible things. Masculinity to me is what I saw in people and men that did what they needed to do to take care of their responsibilities, regardless of their wants or needs. They did what they had to do to take care of their responsibilities. So I guess making your own decisions, not being influenced by others, and just taking care of your own personal responsibilities, being focused. Those were the new signs of masculinity to me after I had my daughter. Next, you'll hear from Tony. He is the father of three kids. Before becoming a father, I never considered my masculinity. I was just a man, I guess. So I guess I defined my masculinity by social norms, like being strong, standing my ground, being bold, or like maybe being competitive. After becoming a father, however, I thought very much about my masculinity overnight, it seemed. When I held our firstborn for the first time, I distinctly remember thinking about my responsibilities as a new dad. Thoughts of being a protector, a provider, a role model, an educator, even a spiritual leader became far more important to me and my masculinity at that time. And so I became those things too. I focused on safety everywhere we went. I focused more on creating career opportunities for me. I focused more on what I said and who I hung out with and what my personal brand represented. I constantly thought about unique ways to inspire and teach our kids important messages at every stage of their development. And I stepped up my spiritual leadership too by becoming more involved in our church, leading the family in prayer, and Bible reading, and also teaching them to put God first always. They learned all of this. But interestingly, as our kids learned from my new masculinity focus, as they grew, I also saw them become strong, stand their ground, take bold actions, and become very competitive. So I guess I went full circle. (laughs) This is Dan. He shares his perspective being the father of four kids. I was a father. I I I began fatherhood when I was 21, and I was probably a really bad dad at that time. Um, Now I'm 45. I got a couple of kids under my belt. So I think I'm a much better father. I mean, I still need some work, but way better than I was at 21. But at 21, there was a lot of things that I thought that I was supposed to teach my my children about masculinity that I think was dead wrong. It was toxic. A lot of it was toxic. So it took me a while to learn that. Thankfully, I had a lot of friends, homies, comrades that many, many of them were feminists. And many of them were looking at new ways for us to look at masculinity. So through their help, and of course, my partner, my lifelong partner, you know, again, my elders too, definitely my elders and my moms, especially 
they really helped change my ideas of masculinity. So I'm way much better father, right? And here's an example. Like I used to think that I had to be a disciplinarian in the idea that I had to smack my kids. I used to, I used to believe that when I was a young parent. Um, I learned very, very quickly that it's actually a bad idea. Um, another thing was I did, like I thought that um, I had to be like raise my my sons to be like robotic. And I have three sons and one daughter, so I, so in that idea, I was like actually raising them differently when it came to to being emotion, you know, expressing their emotions. And I quickly learned that that's a bad idea as well. You want your sons to be emotionally emotionally healthy, right? That changed as well. So I'm glad I don't do those wild things anymore. It wouldn't be right if I didn't join in myself, so I decided to answer as well. This next voice you'll hear is me. I'm the father to two kids. It's interesting. So I have two daughters, and I would not have considered myself a feminist in any way in the past. I think that just, you know, living in a changing age and understanding life and importance and valuing my family so deeply and and seeing my wife grow and bloom as a person, I'm really coming to value in a more immense way women in general and just the power that they have coming into a newfound role of how I exist in that space and how I can be a better tempered person, a more empathetic person, a more mindful and mentally focused and in tune person to be able to provide, you know, the best environment for the women that I'm rearing and the women that I support and and love and are friends with and share lives with. So I think that for me, especially being a father, I think I had a perspective in the past that, you know, it's like this. My dad was kind of a powerful, mighty presence that I would have to, you know, live up to that in a lot of ways. But I'm comfortable being a soft and emotional and tender person who can dive deep into areas of life where I would say for my parents' generation when under nurtured or underserved. And this is Penn. He's the father of one. I wouldn't say fatherhood changed my concept of masculinity. I think it has grown my concept of masculinity. It's grown to incorporate a lot more and alter my perspective on the sense of protecting and providing. Really humbling me in terms of, like, it's not just about going out slaying the dragon and saving the queen. Sometimes it's about, like, getting over inner conflict, not being the biggest problem in the room, you know, and just addressing some things within myself that I needed to address early on. And I think that's a byproduct of not only fatherhood, but also working in tandem, being in partnership with my child's mother. You know, her pushing me to bring out the best in me. So it's not necessarily just fatherhood, but it's definitely the aspect of working together to raise a child in the best environment possible. And I'm grateful. I'm definitely a better person because of it. And I'm still growing. I still got a lot to learn. But I can feel the growth, you know, and I'm only, what, less than two years in, so... Can't wait to see what comes of it. Okay. You've heard some really awesome, awesome perspectives from fathers on the first question. But we're not quite through. We asked, how are you a different father to your children than your father was to you? You'll hear a new voice this time around. First, is Paul. He's the father to seven. 
I found out my father when I was the age of 13, and it's very ironic how I found out. One day, uh, as I was outside playing at the age of 13, I remember a man who was my mother's boyfriend would often come by the house. And he was doing this on and off for years. And supposedly he was my mother's boyfriend, a hidden boyfriend. So what had happened is one day he asked me to go to a family picnic with him. And as I jumped in the car with him, we was riding around and we arrived at the picnic. When I got out the car with him and walked into the backyard, walked into the party, his mother and all of the rest of the family kept making a statement to me that you look just like your daddy. And I turned around and I said to him, I said, well, who is my daddy? And then he walked up to me and kind of shoved me smiling and said, boy, you know I'm your daddy. And I turned around and looked him dead in the eye and I said, are you my daddy? I did not know that this man who was secretly involved with a relationship with my mother for years was my actual real father. And from that very second, I became very angry and walked out and went and sat in the car. And he finally came out and was asking what was the problem. And I started screaming and hollering at him because I did not know all this time that he was my father. And so we sit there and talked and I went home and that was the first time I ever hollered at my mother concerning this matter that she never told me all these years that this man who was secretly coming over was my actual father because I was yearning for I remember there was nights I would sit and cry yearning for my father so from that point on by the time I was 18 I had two children and I have now at the age of 54 I have seven children Four was born by my wife, who passed away three years ago. But how I'm a better father than my father is that I get into every aspect of my children's life. We're straight, open book. And every day I call them. And when we were growing up, what met us close together is that I would pray with my children every day. And that causes them to do that with their children. The next voice you'll hear is Dan. I remember I was reading a bedtime story to my middle son and my youngest son. At that time, because I had four four children, at that time, I'm a, I was an old hat to it, you know, so it was just part of the evening routine for me to put my, my children in bed and then read them a story. And then sometimes they'll ask me to tell them a story about me growing up. They always used to ask that, but can you tell us a story about which, you know, how you and your, you know, my uncles and my auntie, how how y'all used to hang out or whatever growing up in New York. They used to always ask me those questions. So I remember one time I was telling a story and my middle son, Zumbi, he stops me. He's like, yo, he didn't say yo, but he's like, you know, dad, did your father read you a bedtime story? And I was like, nah, nah, actually, nah, he never did. And I don't really talk to my my children about my father because you know we didn't have a relationship so there's nothing to talk about and he like touched my hand and he was like are you sad and i was like nah i'm not sad i'm you know like, why are you not sad and i was like well 
because I get to read to you and I read to you and your brother and your sister and and your older brother. So I don't really trip on that. You know, y'all make me happy. I'm happy to read to you all. And I hope that someday you're just as happy as I am when you read to your children. This next voice is Eric. I am in a lot of ways, probably the antithesis of my father. I decided on parenting as a, as a part of my life at such a young age that I, I guess I had a lot of lead time to really think about what that would look like. So one of the things that I, I always consciously did was take cues from my parents in particular, but even from you know my extended family, my grandparents or observations of other families and their structure, just to take what I thought was the good, the bad, the ugly, and kind of sort it out and compartmentalize it. I'm, I'm sure I even did that. I don't know if it was conscious, but I, I'm sure I did that even with with media, you know, with television and shows and movies and books and those sorts of things to just understand the the nature of relationships and, and their complexity and, and make decisions based on the things that you saw. So I, I think it's very, very different in terms of, you know, I'm certainly more affectionate than my father, which was intentional. I thought that that was a no brainer for me that I would, you know, hug and kiss and exchange. I love yous and platitudes on a daily near constant basis. I think communication is a lot different because of the era that we live in. You know, I'm still even though I'm essentially the same age as my father was as a parent. As far as technology is concerned, the distance between my son and I isn't as great as the distance between my father and I was. So that, you know, is kind of a intangible factor that impacts it. There's almost very few ways I think that we're similar. Now you'll hear from Brandon. My dad really didn't raise me. I feel like my mom raised me. Due to Reaganomics in the 80s, my dad had vices in his life that he chose to pick over his children. Chose himself over his children. He was kind of in and out, and he didn't do much of the raising part. He did more of living his life around his children instead of raising his children. So I saw my dad, but I wasn't necessarily raised by my dad. So I would say that is the big difference. My daughter is the priority in my life, and I am raising her. I'm an active part of her everyday life. My personal wants, things I want to do, places I want to go, come second to my daughter and to her happiness and what decisions need to be made to work out best for her. This next voice is from me. I don't know if I'm a different father to my kids um, in the way that my dad was to me. I think I'm very much similar to him, you know, feeling like I have to wake up every Saturday and turn music on and clean up was definitely a fundamental part of growing up. And, you know, I started my oldest off cleaning up when she was like only two. We wake up on Saturday, start moving laundry around and doing stuff like that. I think that I give more space for conversation than than my dad did my my dad kind of 
just kind of set things up and he lets you do your thing and you kind of existed around him in a way. And then later, I think as I became an adult, we evolved into moments of conversation and understanding. But I've made an effort early to really engage in conversation with my kids and like experiment in a way uh, around topics and get a sense of understanding as their mind is forming. Um, Not in a sense of trying to control what they think, but just briefly understand or challenge them to to think a little bit deeper. And it's amazing. I've been overwhelmed to observe just how how deeply intelligent and intellectual children are from the very beginning and how much we underestimate their abilities. My my oldest daughter, she finds some way to blow my mind every single day. So I think that's just, you know, evidence of giving more credence to the sharing and expression versus like past generations where we were expected to be in a different room while the adults were talking. We weren't expected to engage with adults or to sound sensible. So it's a, a, I would say a big contrast for sure. The next voice you'll hear is Pin. <laughs> That's easy. I'm present, man. I'm here. I'm fully here. Like, fully, fully here. No no ifs, ands, or buts. And I think it was because of my father not being there that I'm so here. Um, and it's not only that, like, my dad wasn't there for me, so I have to be there for my kid. No, my dad wasn't there for my sister. And I can see the impact that that had and has on her. Where, you know, you have a young woman out here in this world, like, looking for the attention of men and seeking the fatherly love. And that's gotten her into all types of trouble. I don't want that for my daughter. Definitely pushed by my father not being there to be as present as possible for my daughter. And it's paying off for me because uh, she loves me, man. She she glows when I walk in the room. But on top of that, you know, I glow too. And it, again, makes me a better person. This last one is from Tony. In in many ways, I feel I'm very similar to my dad. And in some ways, I'm very different. I looked up to my dad. I'm the youngest of six siblings. So dad and dad made us feel very special. All of us. He played with us. He he taught us the value of hard work. He taught us the value of being your own boss through entrepreneurship. He showed us love. He helped us with our homework. He attended our school activities. He raised us in church and was a Sunday school teacher and even a deacon. He taught us how to play sports. He took us on vacations and family reunions. He put us in the church choir. And he fully supported the idea that we could become whatever we wanted to become. I love my dad and tried to copy his many teachings to me with my own kids. He did so many things for us that it's hard to focus on the differences without first acknowledging the many great things he instilled in us all. But with all that said, there are a few areas where I am different. Dad was all about showing his love through his deeds and actions by being present but he rarely told us as kids that he loved us. 
men from his generation didn't tend to express their emotions. He also showed very little affection, no kisses, no hugs. I'm very expressive with my kids. I want them to know my love both by my actions and by my words and affections. They were raised to kiss us good morning, kiss us hello when they return home from school or just being out, and kiss us good night. I hug and kiss my kids as often as I can, even now while they are young adults. Additionally, as much as dad spoke to us, he didn't make every conversation comfortable or even possible. He never talked to me about sex. He never made me feel like I could talk to him about everything and anything, even though I probably could. I didn't feel comfortable until I was uh, my own adult. I, on the other hand, pride myself for creating a very open and safe environment for our kids to speak with me about anything and everything. This episode is part of a two-part series in collaboration with Cult TV. Continue the conversation at youhadmeatblack.com slash Father's Day 18. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. If you like what you just heard, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Open your phone. I'm not getting off until you open your phone and leave us a review. You're listening to You Had Me at Black.